Hi, Jonathan. Welcome. Hello, how are you? Can you hear me clearly? Yes. Good. And so you are an Oscar nominated filmmaker and you have two new um, films that you're working on that are in pre-production, The Variant and The Burning Man. And why don't you tell us a little bit about those films that you are working on currently? Well, one of them is uh, a little further along. We have a, a script, a draft that I'm really happy about and I hope to shoot in October. Uh, it is a elevated horror film. I'll explain, I'll explain what I think that means. And one of the reasons we have to shoot in October is that it takes place uh, at a campsite around a fire with woods around it. And since California is unlikely to be a place where we can shoot with all the fire hazards, we right. might shoot in one of the states that's uh, further north uh, and they get cold after October, so we don't want to shoot in November. Okay. So this is good. I like having a deadline. I like, you know, having to have another draft of the script in a couple of weeks, raise the money, make the film. It's doable. Okay. okay. So before we get too far, I, I, those points are really important. So I'd like to sort of uh, focus on those. So with your script, how do you get ideas for your script? And how do you raise money? And like all those points you just said, I'd like to go more into depth on. Sure, sure, I understand. The, uh, just very quickly, the other script is still in development. I'm still writing it. Right. Figure it out. Um, so, so I did a film. I yeah. did a film that was released in 2018 on Amazon called The Unwilling, which is a horror movie, and I really enjoyed making it. So I tried to think of another horror movie idea, and I thought, wouldn't it be interesting to uh, to give myself a limitation of being in one location and making it interesting. This sort of Hitchcock scenario of Lifeboat and Road and other films that have taken place entirely. Yeah, in I, love, I love Hitchcock. Yeah, he's one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah me too. But uh, it's a challenge. It also keeps the budget way down. It makes the film more doable. Mm. So it can take two or three years to raise the money, and I'll, I'll discuss that in a second. So the reason this is very uh, encouraging is that it can be done on a very low budget. And my plan is to make it with a crew of only like eight or nine people. And okay. by doing that, you get more shoot days. You don't have to raise as much money. Uh, you're more involved creatively as a director. You're more intimate with everybody. Uh, there isn't as much delegation. Delegation is very important. But you know, I also want to get my hands into it the way I did it co in college when, when I did a lot of the work myself. Uh, physical labor. I enjoy the whole thing. <laughs> Um, so that's where the idea came from. I, I, I had this idea of making a film at a campsite around a fire. And yeah. what are we going to do? Why is that scary? Uh, how can it be scary? Well, if they decide to tell a scary camp story, which is what you usually do when you're way out in the woods and you hear strange noises, lightning flashes, maybe, and you're miles and miles from civilization, your cell phones don't work. It's a perfect setting for horror. Right. So. Uh, I thought, well, what if they tell a scary camp story and it starts coming true? Mm. The guy who's okay. narrating, telling the story is saying things like, Mary gets tired and goes over to her tent. She says, what the hell are you guys doing? And we turn around and she's in the middle of doing that. Okay. And at first they think it's a trick. They think everybody's in on it. This has sort of been planned out, but it becomes pretty apparent pretty quickly that it's not a trick and there's some sort of supernatural aspect at work. Okay. 
Which then, and how did you come up with this idea? You just really. How did I come up with the idea? How does anyone come up with an idea? I could have been in the shower. I could have been. In the <laughs> I mean, the initial the initial thing was to be have the limitation of shooting. Right, that was your main. Yeah. Your main thing. And then how do you get the financing for your movies? How does, how do you, do you do like uh, Indiegogo or it's through friends and family or how do you do that? You know, we discovered on the last film that Indiegogo wasn't really uh, an option because we tried to do it. And a lot of times now the money that is raised on Indiegogo is raised for films that are issue oriented and not for horror movies. That are what? Oriented, sorry. Issue, issue oriented, like meaning. What does that mean? A, film, a friend of mine made two films about child trafficking, which oh issue oh like nonprofits. Yeah. And, okay, I got you. I got you. social so, justice and stuff like that. I got you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't always have to be nonprofit, but something that's maybe more a drama, pointing out an issue, talking about drug addiction or or, or mental illness or something. And okay. The horror movie is just really a very commercial thing. And, so right. We, we tried to raise money. I think we raised four thousand dollars. So that was kind of amusing, actually. I mean, it's better than nothing, right? Um, so, what I will do on this to raise the money is what I did last time. Uh, it'll be a budget as third as big, probably, and that is equity investors. I have a bunch of friends and acquaintances that I will approach and probably sell shares for ten thousand dollars each. Okay. And you get like five or ten people, and you have enough. Can, can you explain for those people who might not know exactly what you mean by an equity investor? Like for someone who's just becoming a filmmaker, they might not realize what that is. Yeah, well, you have different types of of uh, of ways of financing a movie. The old-fashioned way, which is still going on, is that you have. Uh, a distributor who tells you, yes, we're going to distribute that movie based on the fact that you have a star in it or a medium-sized star in it. And then you take that promissory note to a bank and you get a loan. And a lot of films, even big studio films, are made with loans. That's why they, they want to release uh, quickly so they don't have to pay the keep paying the interest. I'm not as knowledgeable about this side of the business as I am about the creative side. Right. But what an equity investor basically is, is cash. Okay. It's not a loan per se. It's actually a hard, hard currency, and generally you form a limited partnership, and everybody gets a percentage, uh, depending on a certain amount of cash. Uh, creative folk get a percentage. They're doing work. I think we split our last film into ten units. Uh, five of them were twenty-five thousand dollars each, and the other five were creative positions, and they all got equal points. Okay. Creative people are working hard to the point where they are doing $25,000 worth of work. That's mm -hmm. kind, of, kind of the concept. So okay. you've got, you've got the, the work, which represents a, a, an equity sort of thing with work, then you have actual cash. Okay. So I'm optimistic that I will be able to raise, we're going to keep the budget under 100 and maybe even at 50. Okay. And it's definitely going to be like a low budget film. Low budget, but it's, like I said, it's one location around a fire. Right, so. right, right. So you should be able to do that. What made yeah. you get into um, filmmaking? What, why did you decide to be a filmmaker? Well, it started when I was 14. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I think I was a young kid who uh, couldn't, really, couldn't really find much an identity in junior high and high school. 
And somebody one day suggested, why don't we shoot something on Super 8 film? And we sort of did it as a lark, but I knew within like some that you that what that I wanted to do. Yeah. Okay. So I made films in high school. I won all the awards. I made a half hour James Bond takeoff in high school <laughs> uh, in, in Greenwich, Connecticut. And then I went to film school at Ithaca College. Okay. And uh, I flourished there. I had my own TV show. I made five or six movies. One of them was an hour long. And uh, I, right from the beginning, I saw it as an art form. I saw it as this sort of consummate art form, combining writing, uh, motion picture, photography, music, art direction, architecture. It just, you, you, you really yeah, it combines all the other art forms into yeah. this one art form. Like that's like being a film, being in film, it's all the other things in this one. So. In a good, in a good film, yeah. I mean, yeah. look at a film like yes. yeah, yeah. Not every film incorporates yeah. all the other arts, but it definitely does have those in them. So. Yeah, look at a film like Dune and won eight Academy Awards in all the art departments. Every single one of them, from sound to production design, to costumes to uh, to music. I mean, it's it's extraordinary, and yeah. and and uh, it could have won Best Picture. It just didn't get the votes this year, but in my mind, it was. Um, Hitchcock's films are very meticulously designed, as are Stanley Kubrick's, uh, right. uh, Christopher Nolan. And uh, I entered in that sort of mindset, and those were my idols, and I wanted to make films in that fashion. Okay. Which I'm trying what to get meaning back. In, in what fashion? Can you be more specific? Like what fashion sure. are you in? Sure. Uh, in, in the fashion of being very design-oriented, where Mm -hmm. every state's choice is, is carefully considered and you have a, a thematic coherence to your script and then you address that theme with aspects such as production design and costumes and music and, and the acting and everything else. Right. And can you explain again to people who might not know what is production design? Production design uh, <laughs> is, uh, it's hard to make a, a quick summation. Uh, it, it very, very many element, elements, a lot of elements. Well, just the overall look of the yeah. film and oh, sort of. Oh, and it really, it really includes the sets, the costumes, the, right. colors, the colors you pick, uh, the locations. The tone, all that and, stuff. You know, in many ways, a horror or a science fiction movie are the most demanding in this area of all because you're largely creating uh, a world, especially in science fiction. You have to create everything. Cars, the buildings, the, the, yeah. the, the electronics, the spaceships, whatever it is. But in a horror movie, too, so much of it is predicated on a scary house, right? Scary, scary streets, dark buildings, dark, you know, expressionistic, creepy. Look. I mean, look at the film The Batman. That that's a production designer's dream. I mean, yes. it's so meticulously lit, the lighting. You know, and these these films that are kind of fantasy films are more demanding. Although a period piece is demanding, uh, think of Schindler's List, uh, and, and even a regular drama to, to do it well, and it's it's more of a, a thing which ends up being at an unconscious level. The design, yeah. the design of a note, like something like Coda, which oh yeah, this. that was a very designed movie. Everything in there, the, way, the locations they picked, the costumes, it doesn't stand out like wow they 
they, in world creation, it's not kind of the same thing. Okay. But I think production design, I mean, my favorite areas are production design, cinematography, and music, uh, as far as the design aspects go. And they have to be in concert. Right. Um, we're both Hitchcock fans. I mean, they, they, <laughs> Extraordinary. I just watched the birds the other day and I was just sitting there going, This is every bit as good as, as Alien or any of these action movies. It has the same builds. It's terrifying. Mm -hmm. It's relentless. Mm. And, uh, okay. Where are we at? What is the best piece of advice that you were ever given when you, well, either now or in the past, when you first started in the business? Um, it's a piece of advice that I always give, and I, I stole it. I got it from someone else. <laughs> first, first I heard it reading books by uh, people interviewing Stanley Kubrick or Steven Spielberg or some mm -hmm. of the other directors, and they all said, "School, film school is fine. Studying cinema is fine. Watching cinema is fine. Mm -hmm. But you got to go out and make a film." Right. You just and have to do it. Yeah. I finally met Steven Spielberg, and. He actually said that literally to me. He said, go out and make a film and do your storyboards and, and design it meticulously. And I, I'll never forget, mm -hmm. he was going to a, a, a soundstage and I, I cornered him. I was like <laughs> 19 years old. You know, do that. Go and corner people. Go and go up to your heroes. Go up, go right. get on a film set, sneak on a film set, anything. Just flood yourself with information. I was okay. the good fortune years later to get to know Spielberg a little bit better. And uh, he watched a film of mine, which he really liked, and but gave me notes. That was amazing. You should cut yeah. this and move this. And I almost said as a joke, "What do you know?" <laughs> but I, so what was what was his um, his advice was mostly about the edit, like editing things out. Or... Yeah, it was very. He liked the overall film. It was very specific. It was, you know, this is more suspenseful if you just have the guy appear rather than have him walk in. That was literally what he said. It was Donald mm. Sutton, and there was a scene with this kid where they, the camera was at this angle, the kid was talking, and then it cut to this angle, and over his shoulder, the way I shot it, Donald mm. Sutton walked in to the frame. And I thought that was pretty scary, but then he said, just have him there. Like, mm. you're on the kid, you cut to there, and he's just just standing there. Kind of okay. Is, to create suspense, how, does, how do you create suspense like that? must be a difficult thing i would think that's a whole discussion in of itself <laughs> but um well we have a few minutes right now so yeah 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 no, no i'm not I mean, that's a three-hour discussion but the suspense is my favorite thing i think i think i like it more than action uh mm -hmm. it, it's a feeling it's anticipation it's dread and i think uh, there's a couple of old adages one one is you wait as long as you can to show the monster or, or to tell the audience what the mystery, what the solution to the mystery is, but you suggest right up front that there's a terrible problem that has to be solved, or that there's something out there that they're going to have to face. The longer you push that out, the more the scarier it becomes. If you mm -hmm. shoot a scene in a house and somebody says, oh, don't go in there, there's a demon, somebody else says, well, I'm going in. <laughs> That's exactly what I want to see. You have them walk around the house. You, you can, if you want, you can wait 25 minutes uh, that may be an exaggeration, but almost not. In a film like Paranormal Activity, mm -hmm. which was really scary. <laughs> yes. 
absolutely nothing happened for the first hour. Mm-hmm. Nothing. All it was shots of them waiting and sleeping and not sleeping. And when it finally got to it, I, I wanted to turn it off. I, was, <laughs> I mean, things still affect me. Films still affect me. So suspense is 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 it's about the unknown. It's about anticipation. Um, if you want to uh, right. discuss, how do you? Sorry, when you when you do a film, since you're a writer director, do you also edit? Well, I've worked with editors uh, many times in the past. Some great editors that were miraculous. Uh, do you well, think about your edit when you're um, when you're writing? Not as much when you're writing, but when you're planning your shots out and shooting, you do. Okay. And that's why that's why you have a script supervisor, and sometimes you have your editor on your set. And they may come over and whisper in your ear, you're going to need a close-up over here. You know, you okay. go point your fingers and go, I need a close-up that way. I need a close-up that way. And I need a wide shot because otherwise I'm not going to be able to cut it. And sometimes other people will give you advice on that. But the film I'm about to make, I plan on editing myself. Because um, I want to get back to my roots of, you know, sitting in a darkened room and on a potter's wheel and making, it, making a thing all so by myself. So it sounds like it's, very helpful then to to have the editor with you or to know what shots you need before you actually start shooting then correct i think it's pretty essential um especially if it's suspense or action or fantasy or a dream or or something that's visually has to be very specific the only time that i am less concerned is if i have a big dramatic dialogue scene because i learned that actors um, sometimes like to be told where to stand and where to go, but sometimes not. Okay. Sometimes they get up and they have the script in their hand and you're doing the blocking at the beginning of the day and the actor will go, I'm going to sit down when I say this. I'm going to take a moment. And mm-hmm. if you plan your shots out, the shots here, there, there. You're yeah, then that's, yeah your exactly. Whole, your whole plan is thrown out. So it's better to be flexible. It's good to have a plan. It's good to be really flexible. And you know, it's not brain surgery. Once you make a few movies, a lot of people are doing it. A lot of people do it with their home systems, and it's amazing what mm-hmm. they're able to do. Right. I think the part that is more difficult, like a lot of people might disagree with me, but I think the writing of the film, getting the story right. Oh, definitely. Story. Writing is like the most important yes. part, and it's the part I find a lot of people try and rush through. <laughs> well, everybody does that. They, I, I, My friend is making a film in Boston, and three weeks ago, they gave him the script, and he said, "This is unfilmable. We, we have to push the movie." And they said, "No, we, we can't. We've already got locations." And he had to rewrite the script in three weeks. He handed in no. the draft. Two oh days. Oh my God! No, that's they, like they the writing is the most important part. How could you spend all that money and not? So I did a film once with Rob Lowe, and they, my, my manager called me and said, "You've only got two weeks of prep. They lost the other director." So I said. Okay, that sounds like fun. So I flew up to Toronto, and there was no script. And, and then Lowe, what did you do? Rob Lowe was like, what the F are we going to do? And I, and I was like, well, I guess we'll have to improv it. We had no script. Oh. Yeah, so we would go out on a certain day. Look, thankfully, it was also a thriller. So it was, even though there, was, there were good characters, it was less character and dramatically oriented. So it mm-hmm. would be like... Uh, you guys are all in the woods, you hear a noise, 
you cock your guns, you form a, a sort of uh, perimeter, and then you go off and try to find it. What are you going to say? How are you going to feel? And each each actor would just say something. It worked out, and it doesn't always work out. You have to have okay. the, right, the right attitude. Right. Some so, actors might not be so good with that. So yeah, but it was crazy. I don't, I don't ever want to do that again. It's crazy. <laughs> I mean, I would. Always <laughs> well, having a script, yeah, you should have a script. It's very beneficial. It's very helpful. Yeah, and unfortunately, a lot of a lot of people. Um, there's nothing wrong with thinking, oh, waking up one morning and going, I'm going to write a screenplay. But mm -hmm. a lot of people are not in the know and they think that they could do it in a month, just turn it in. And years go by, they don't know why they aren't selling anything. It's because they haven't spent the time to hone it, perfect it, to study the structure of screenplays, to come up with the right idea. How um, long does it take you to write a screenplay usually? I would say six months. Okay. Um, from the beginning of the idea to the end. And I think that's, I don't know what the Writers Guild, uh, they have actually have bylaws. Yes. Yeah, the studios will be like, your first draft is, has to be in by, people are always late. Um, well, though, but those are like for people who are getting paid and they have contracts. I mean, yeah, you're an yeah. independent filmmaker who's doing your own stuff, so yeah, you can have more leeway in, in when you you know, finish or not finish. I mean, I write as well. So if I'm just writing for myself, then when I finish, I finish. I mean, it is good to have deadlines or at least have something, you know, that you're a date you want to have something finished by the world and could sit around for a while. I just, I just did that with a co-writer. I told him in June, I said, we, we're going to have a draft July 1st, period. Right. Well, we had a draft July 30th. Okay. After six months, a month late, that's pretty good. And I, knew pretty, good. I knew pretty much it was going to go down that way anyway. Right. Um, the dance, it's always a dance between different masters. And mm. dance, you want to turn something out that's, that's good in a reasonable amount of time. And then you also want it to be great. So you've you got to push yourself in different directions. And then if you're getting paid to do it. Um, right. I once had a job from Warner Brothers. I think we had... I think we had six weeks to write a draft, to do a rewrite on something. Mm -hmm. And I was 20, 27, and we did a terrible job. It was terrible. <laughs> and, yeah, and they canceled the project immediately. That doesn't sound so good. No, but then, then the next one was really good. And we, okay. Yeah, yes. we it's a learning process. It's a learning curve. And with that, so do you have any shout-outs for anyone? Is there anyone um that has helped you immensely in your in your career so far or that you would like to mention a lot of people uh uh i would say um david picker who was head of uh, head of united artists at one point he was an independent producer about 1983 he had me develop a script with the cohen brothers before they were the cohen brothers okay. and we never we never got to make the film but that really got me going um, Janice Sue Memel and Jonathan Sanger uh, brought me in to make a short film in 1990, and that's the film that was Oscar nominated. Mm. And they were really supportive and really stood by me. These were the, the, in the, in the very beginning uh, of everything. And, uh, you know, I want to shout out to my actors. I've been <laughs> so, so damn lucky. Donald Sutherland, Amy Irving, Stephen Baldwin, Rob Lowe. Um, Tom Skerritt, David Lipper, 
Gina Meyer, Lance Hendrickson, some of these names uh, people haven't aren't as familiar with, mm. but they 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 bring a gift. I mean, I I did some improv work when I was younger, and I did a lot of comedy stuff, and and actors bring a gift to you. They come with presents, right? The set, and you have a certain idea of how a scene's going to play, and it comes alive, and you go, "Oh, I would never have thought of that." Wow, and it, it's magical. It is right. You know, and I've been around a long time. As that chemistry and it all gets together, yeah, yeah it can be a very magical, um, very magical time. So, still, it still amazes me that you can go out and do this artificial thing, put a bunch of drive a car by, and have somebody in it yelling, point of view shot, somebody's in the street, and cut it all together, and you're even the filmmaker, and you go, "Whoa, that's really violent," <laughs> and it works. There's, it's, it's like this magic. Right. There's, there's magic in all the art forms. Composer composes something and then has it played by an orchestra and he cries. And right. There's one composer of Hitchcock's, Bernard Herrmann, uh, and Hitchcock said to him, that's the most beautiful thing I ever I ever heard. And he said, I don't remember writing it. Oh, wow. <laughs> don't remember writing it. And with, and with that, I would like to thank you for being here today. Sure. Um, we're going to wrap it up for this segment this is shout out with sage film i want to thank jonathan heap for being here today and you can catch his two movies coming out soon i'm sure they'll be on the film festival circuit or why don't you tell people where to find you online and then we'll well right now uh go to amazon and watch the unwilling there's two i think i do the unwilling with dina meyer and len sendrickson and david liver and okay. uh the uh, my website is jonathanheap.com and uh, the film's coming out the first one will probably be called The Burning Man and that will hopefully be out within a year, year and a half okay okay well thank you Jonathan thank you for being here on Shout Out with Sage on Stream and Hub Radio it was so good to talk to you and we're going to be moving on to our next guest so have a good day you too okay thanks